Hi, I'm Lucy Adams from Disruptive HR. Welcome to one of our podcast series where you'll hear from HR practitioners who are genuinely doing things differently. If you're looking to change your HR practices, then why not check out the Disruptive HR Club? It's got tons of videos, webinars and downloadable guides that will give you all the ideas and practical help you'll need. Check it out at www.disruptivehr.club. So today is all about learning and development. Mm -hmm. Just even the words learning and development sounds really <laughs> old fashioned, it doesn't does. it? Yeah. Do you remember the days of training needs analysis? Oh, I do very fondly. <laughs> I remember um, whenever I heads up like an L&D function, we used to just really struggle to get the business to tell us what their learning and development yeah, needs what are were. your learning and development needs, needs for the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, I don't know. And so then we thought, OK, we can use the appraisal paperwork for it. So yeah. we then created a sort of like a box where line managers could fill in their appraisal yeah. document. We'd, we'd bring back all the appraisal documents and look at them and then there'd be like nothing in there. Or it'd say something <laughs> like presentation skills yeah. or something. That would be about it. Then we're like, mm, we need to think about this again. I know, we'll give them a menu to choose from. So <laughs> when appraisers went online, there'd be a drop-down menu and they could click on it and then they could choose. And I bet you courses. thought that was fantastic and really <laughs> yeah, progressive. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But really, all they were doing was just, oh, I quite fancy that. Oh, yeah, yeah I quite fancy that. And, and then you'd put anything. together your training programme, wouldn't you? And you'd have it all neatly scheduled all through yeah. the year and you'd manage all the room bookings and you'd be contracting with all your suppliers and, <laughs> yeah. and it would be this kind of detail. And then you'd realise you'd only have three people on time management yeah, and you'd, you'd have like to cancel it. Yeah, you'd them over the head. <laughs> Come to our training course. <laughs> Mandatory training, oh, you know. Yeah. As soon as there was a view, we've got to get people to do this. Well, let's make it mandatory and put <laughs> yeah. everybody through yeah. it and then we got all excited because online learning came about and we basically just took all of our miserable old training programs that we've been delivering in the classroom put them on there. yeah I mean yeah. I remember having um, a room in a company I worked in and it had it was just a room of about sort of 12 PCs and people used to sort of like have to go in and sit down and put their headphones on and do this online <laughs> so that we knew they'd done it. Yeah. <laughs> and then we could give our report to the yeah. board and we've got a well-trained, functioning workforce. So now that we've just completely dissed the L&D yeah, profession, yeah. um, what are the kind of the, the key trends that we're seeing now with learning and development? I think... I just think learning is just something, we almost take it for granted, but it's something that we're doing all the time. It's not a, something we go to. It's not a classroom. It's not, you don't even think about it as learning in the sense that if you, if you think about just even in your everyday life, if you want to know something new, you go onto Google and you search it and then you find you've got a new skill or you know a new fact or some new knowledge or it just sort of happens. It's kind of organic. And I think that that's where L&D departments are struggling because it's not it's not on its own. It's yeah. kind of part of life um, in terms of learning. So I think but I think the biggest trend we're seeing is that it has to be owned by the employee. It can't be owned by the L&D function, by the line manager. You have to want to progress and learn every day. And so it's finding ways that you can kind of do that, but it's very much, you know, owned by you. And some organisations that we're seeing, so for example, Adobe, 
when people join with them, they say, we kind of expect you to be interested in learning and we expect you to take responsibility for it. Whatever it is you want to do and how you want to do it, do it. Um, I'm trying to think of, a, of another company that are doing that really well. I know in terms of building it into the day, so CultureAmp, for example, they just provide lots of resources and say, you know, we expect you to learn. Here are some options and ways that you can do it, but kind of over to you. The other thing that CultureAmp does that I really like is they have this thing called Learn Yourself Up. And it's, uh, I think it's about $15,000 a quarter that uh, can be spent on any type of learning and development that they want. So it doesn't have to be uh, related to work. If, if it's going to be uh, work-related, then the employee's expected to pay 10 cents in the dollar. Mm. If it's kind of more about personal development, then it's 50-50. So you're seeing a commitment there yeah. from the employee. But the thing I love about it is that that budget is completely owned by the employees. HR doesn't get involved. The L&D team doesn't allocate it. They discuss and agree it amongst themselves. Yeah. So they are owning that budget, determining what's the best learning for them as individuals, but also collectively as a team, how that's going to work. You know, it's a really good example. We talk a lot about adult to adult, and I think that's just a perfect example of employees owning their own learning, managing it amongst themselves, L&D not getting involved yeah. at all. And also, like you say about it, not having to be job related, because learning's got to be just good, whatever you're learning. Um, why do you have to kind of prove that it relates to your exact job or a job that you're going to have in the future? I think we've kind of, you know, done disservice to our people because it's we're sort of rejecting them, kind of going that learning is not important. Who are we to decide what yeah. learning people want to do? There's a, a moneysupermarket.com in the UK, Money Supermarket Group, rather. What they do is that they have a, a budget for, you know, managing your own learning and investing in your own learning. And they've kind of got really broad uh, parameters. You know, it's kind of anything that you feel that is going to contribute to your growth, your development, your well-being even, um, you go for it. So they had people who were going on a um, stand-up comedians <laughs> course, which fills me with horror yeah. uh, on a personal level. But actually, you can see that that might be, you know, in terms of courage, yeah. in terms of creativity, in terms of presentation skills, in terms of uh, being concise and succinct in delivery. But you can imagine many organisations, if that had come through, you know, for training approval, yeah. then it would no. get rejected. Yeah. And, I, and I think increasingly there's this sense of you own it, you determine what's needed, you run it. Um, there's one company, a company called Badu, which uh, really do things like, um, you know, uh, dating apps. And they don't have an L&D team. They just basically say allocation per employee, discuss it and agree it with your line manager how you're going to use that budget. Over to you. Completely just getting out of the way. And this kind of sense of owning it um, for yourselves in terms of investment in your own development, which I think is great. Yeah, I think um, Zog Sports do something similar where they give a team of people a kind of a budget. They give them a theme and say, over to you, you decide what, what how you want to kind of spend this money as long as we're learning this particular theme, whatever it is that month, which I think is really nice. But also remembering that being able to give development is a is a reward and recognition. You know, you yeah. can you rather than worrying about whether or not it relates to the job or their future job, how's it making that person feel that they feel someone's investing in them 
And if they're learning, they're more likely to want to kind of hang on and stay with you. How are companies then setting the tone that, that they want their people to be growing, uh, curious, investing in their own development, kind of setting the culture? Yeah. What are you seeing there? I mean, it has to come from kind of the, the leaders have to be encouraging it. So, But I think it's all about your kind of values and the way things are done around here. So Johnson & Johnson have a kind of a motto, which is Growth's not, growth is not optional um, and HubSpot have always be growing. And I think if you have those kind of taglines, it starts to make people understand that, that, that they have to kind of, that it's part of the culture and it's expected of them. And Johnson Johnson, what I like is that there's this sense of it's, it's not just about growth in terms of new skills, uh, get, getting promotions, uh, taking on more responsibility. It's also about subject matter experts becoming even better at what yeah, they do today. Yeah. And we've all had those dreaded conversations where you think, oh, God, you know, this person's brilliant at what they do. They're happy doing what they're doing. I don't want them to do anything else. They're perfect in, in the role that they're doing. How am I going to have the training and development conversation? Yeah. Um, whereas, actually, if you've got something which is about it's completely valid to be getting even better at yeah. what you do today. Um, in fact, it's essential to be doing that. Um, not only does it tap into that kind of intrinsic motivation that we hear Dan Pink talk about um, and that need to uh, be masterful, you know, become um, yeah, mastery, that's it. Um, but it's also about, you know, recognising that people, if they're standing still and even as, as subject matter mm -hmm. experts, they've got to continue to, to invest. Of course, the other theme that we're seeing with learning and development is it becoming, you know, instead of these set classroom pieces, one size fits all, uh, where you go to do learning somewhere, it's much more personalised, much more social. Um, are you seeing that as well in, in the companies that you're meeting? Yeah, ASOS are, are great at this. So they're using um, a platform called Loop which is L-O-O-O-P. <laughs> and um, basically, the, it's a kind of a way of putting on all, all their resources and people being able to tap into them at any time, um, whether it's kind of on their mobile phones, on the train, on the way home, whatever it might be. So it's very much around what's right for you. It, do you prefer a podcast? Do you prefer a webinar? Do you prefer to read? And giving them those choices so that they can learn in the way that's, that suits them. And we're hearing really good things about Loop. I was with Sky the other day. There's a, an interview on, on the club with the uh, head of talent from, from Sky and she was talking about use of Loop and just how, uh, how effective that's been for them. Yeah, Google, is, you'd expect to be really good at this. Um, they have kind of what they call Google whispers. So there might be sort of like a one-line email that goes to a line manager to say, why don't you try this in your next team meeting or I your really next like one's one. So it's kind of just, you know, it's, it's not as heavy and it's much more likely to be retained by the, by the manager. Yeah, because that kind of, we know that the brain will forget, you know, 80% mm. of what they've learned on a training programme within 30 days. So it's just such a waste. Yeah. You know, so this kind of little bite-sized, yeah. micro, just-in-time type learning, yeah. proving really effective. IHG um, have done some good things around gamification. So they had to train up, you know, hundreds of reps. Um, and so they used more of a kind of social gaming mechanism so that, you know, there was competition and leaderboards and prizes and all the rest of it that made it a bit more fun in terms of the training that they wanted to get across. Because sometimes there is that development that you just kind of have to do. 
Um, but rather than making it really boring, kind of add a little bit of a fun element to it, make it more sociable. And Topps Tiles, they have what they call the hub. And it starts off um, as a learning kind of platform where they would put on kind of learning resources. But it's actually become their whole communication platform. So they use it for everything to do with engagement, comms, leadership going on there, which I just think is really lovely and definitely a trend that we're seeing that learning is just part of the whole engagement piece. And following on from this idea of moving away from classrooms, you know, this kind of idea that uh, looking at mentoring in a slightly different way, yeah. involving people in real life experiences. Um, if we just perhaps touch on the mentoring first, because I think that that's, uh, that's been, again, done in oh, a really... Yeah turgid way yeah, hasn't it yeah. you know we had the kind of the mentoring scheme where you had to sign up to be a mentor you have to go tra you had to be trained to be a mentor yeah and, and it, they'd go for one coffee and then that <laughs> <be> it. <laughs> so what are you seeing in terms well, of different types of mentoring yeah, I think mentoring is really really important but it doesn't have to be formal and structured um, it could be that you just want to grab a coffee with someone who knows something about something in particular and it is just one coffee or it could be something that's over a longer period of time. But again, owned by you, the employee, your choice and no formal schemes or paperwork to fill in, I think is really important. And also having a blend of people that you go yes. to because it, you, know, yeah. you can't go to one single leader who you then have as your mentor forever because they're never going to be able to give you everything that you need. No, exactly. So Intel are doing some really good things around this sort of, they call it like a more organic mentoring which is basically you're able to just go and speak to somebody that you think can teach you something um, and it's not structured, there's no process, no paperwork and it's kind of they're really encouraging it in terms of just going and learning from other people around you depending on what it is you're looking for. And um, HubSpot do that as well, don't they, in that if you... Uh if you see that there's somebody that you feel you can learn something from, yeah. you can take them out for lunch, take them out for a cup of tea, and you just expense it, put it through your expenses, no questions asked. Yeah. Um, I like Airbnb's approach to this as well, in that they bring kind of industry leaders in, and they have these things called fireside chats, mm -hmm. which they just set up where you can just go along and meet with this industry leader and just kind of ask some questions and get some support, some interaction, um, not on a formal, ongoing, but just much more fluid, much more agile. Mm. Which I think takes us on to this kind of making it real life experience. So TechSmith, as an example, have a take your co-worker to work day, <laughs> which is a bit sounds wrong. But so how does that yeah, work? Well, basically, it means that you can you can take somebody who works in a different department to shadow you for the day, which I think is lovely because you really... Imagine, you know, we have this problem with career development and people want to understand what is it, what is it that they do over there in that team, but actually giving them an opportunity to go and be part of that team for a day and see whether or not it's something that they're interested in in the future, I think is a really nice touch. So we did a bit of that at the BBC, didn't we, with the uh, Hot Shoes initiative. I wish we it... can't take credit for <laughs> we that. We can't take credit for it. It's not ours. It was, well, I wish it was because it was brilliant. But... 
what they did uh, there was to literally create hot shoes placements where you could uh, walk a mile in someone else's shoes over the course of a couple of weeks. You got to experience another area of the BBC um, rather than these long term secondments mm. where you've, you know, people are asking for backfill on the roll. It was just a kind of a taster, wasn't yeah. it, to kind of try out what yeah. it meant to be a, um, I don't know, a producer on a programme or involved in health and safety team or whatever it might be yeah. and they were really really popular advertised in lift lobbies and so on they were great I think as well it's just about making the most of the talent that you've already got in your organization why would you bring in external people when you've got super smart people already with you so Google you would kind of expect this but they have 80% of their tracked training is actually delivered by Googlers they're Google people so a big part of their job is about how they mentor and teach other people their skills, which I think is really nice. Yeah. So what has this meant for the role of the L&D professional? Yeah, I think that's quite tough. As an L&D person, I think you probably kind of think, well, if we can no longer kind of collect the needs and run all this classroom training, how do we, you know, what is our role? Um, but I think that actually the role is even more important now. And they need to be the people that are creating those conditions. They're creating that culture of learning, always be learning, um, and kind of encouraging that as much as they can. I think it means a very hands-off approach um, rather than feeling that they need to kind of control everything. You're and not, that can be very difficult for us as hard. HR professionals. It's very it? hard. We've got to be very confident that we know it's happening. We don't need to measure it. Um, but actually, you're looking at impact. So you can measure it in a different way because you can actually be asking your people um, through kind of pulse surveys or whatever. Have you learned something new this week? Do you feel that you're getting the learning that you need for your job? So there are ways yeah. that you can still measure the impact that you're having uh, rather than how many classroom training courses have you been on this week. Um, Personalising it, making sure that you're giving lots of choice and options for people to learn in a way that suits them. Um, and marketing, you know, you've got to make it really fun. I mean, I've been responsible for some terrible learning management systems and I just think no wonder no one ever went on them. <laughs> um, but actually, we've got to think about how can you make it really social and exciting so you've got somewhere that people just can't wait to go on because they want to see what that the next thing is. Um, so I think how, how can you integrate your learning into your normal engagement social channels um, is a really good place to start. And obviously just thinking more about kind of digital, you know, how can you make it really easy in terms of video, bite-sized learning, uh, webinars, different different resources that are all online for people to do at and, their own pace. And um, so L&D is kind of much more create curators they are. rather than providers of training. Yeah. Um, and I think, was it Spotify that you said? Yeah, they have, um, they, what do they call it? Um, we are gardeners in a greenhouse, which I really love because what they're saying is we're kind of, you know, watering and tending to our garden, but it's enabling our people to grow and develop rather yeah. than us doing it ourselves. Another example of, I think it's just brilliant uh, personalisation is what Sky are doing. So they have really looked at their employee personas, which we talk about a lot, but really looking at the different clusters of people they have and what would be the messaging to turn them on to learning? What would be the messaging to give them the motivation to learn? And they found out, for example, that if they wanted to appeal to their 
uh, IT, digital guys, then it needed to be all about staying at the top of your game. That was the, the key thing that would encourage them to learn. Whereas with the more creative types, the marketeers and so on, it was all about time pressure. So they focused their messaging around um, bite-sized learning, do it in your lunch hour, not going to take any, any time at all to do it. And they found that the uptake increased dramatically amongst those different groups. So really thinking about the personalization of the marketing of learning as well as the personalization of the style of learning. And I think seeing L&D as part of the talent team yeah. rather than as a standalone centre of expertise. You know, we're seeing that increasingly that uh, those lines are blurred. You know, we've experienced uh, learning and development teams in the past that wanted to be very separate to uh, HR yeah, and talent yeah. management. And yet, actually, it's all part of the same thing. Absolutely. And we really need to start breaking down those silos. So I think that's it for L&D, just looking at some of the new trends. Might just be worth summarising. We've got uh, a real move to being employee-owned, um, moving away from L&D owning it, HR owning it. How can you encourage uh, employees to own their own development? Um, looking at how it's built into the day rather than it being a structured and separate activity that you go off to do. Um, looking at how real life experiences can be factored into your L&D and career development offering. Taking a fresh look at your mentoring programmes. Are they a bit too rigid, a bit too old fashioned? Could it be more agile, more fluid? Um, and finally, really thinking about how do you personalise your approach to learning. So uh, what are the variety of media that people can use? Uh, what would be the key messaging to get them involved in, in different types of learning? Um, and how do you make it social, fun, engaging? Because that's how we learn, isn't it? Thanks for listening to this podcast. For more resources to help you change HR, check out the Disruptive HR Club at www.disruptivehr.club.